You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. Welcome to episode 324 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a really wonderfully earnest and insightful conversation with Dawn Breeze artist, poet, creativity advocate, and change agent, among other things. And we talked with Dawn about her journey, about the fashion industry, dairy barns, and economics of care, scale. We talk about leadership, team building, being exposed again to the sky, about needing to know our place and how artists are we all. A great conversation with Dawn Breeze on today's program. We have an EW essay titled Beautiful and a piece written by Lawrence Ferlinghetti as read by Tom O'Bedlam and a poem called Promise. And, of course, as is always the case, all of this will be imbued, infused, with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It's so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 324 of Troubadours and Tours. If 
Robin rushed belly eating breakfast on the front lawn a few hours post-dawn on this relatively calm weekend morning. The gray-white clouds poised above to precipitate and ingratiate this hilltop I sit upon as an inconsequential witness whose time is as fleeting as the seeds spread through the wind, as the robin does its part in the wonder of earth's nature. What am I doing? I consume and aspire. I wander nowhere and transpire a bit of my essence through procreation and defecation too. We pull through one day to the next and when we are astute enough to reflect, become somewhat perplexed if our endemically spread arrogance of place and understanding are not too predominant. So, what is my point? What is the point? Should I stroll down from this hilltop and find some kindred spirits and get lost in commune, smoke a joint, drink some rye whiskey, pints of beer, leer lustful and queer, or stay clear and clean, calm and wise, focused, open, light and sheen, This heart is still pumping, these hips are still humping, and a wave of euphoric mindfulness washes over me. Sweet, soulful existence, and a beautiful sense of humanity.
Don Breeze, is that you? This is me. Good morning. Good morning. It's so nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be with you this morning. 
Yeah, it, uh, this is our second go-around. We tried yesterday. We had a wonderful conversation, but uh, technology didn't work out for us, so here we go again. I know, but I was thinking it was sort of great because um, we ended our conversation yesterday with you saying, well, I look forward to talking to you again soon, um, and here we are, just less than 24 hours. <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it would be that soon, but hey, it's great. <laughs> So I was kind of excited to have the opportunity again. Well, thanks. Thanks. Be before we get into it, let me uh, share with the listeners a little background information. Okay. Dawn Breeze is a creativity advocate, change agent, designer of liberatory experiences, and an internationally awarded artist living in Germantown, New York. She is an NYFA Mark, Bear Art, Good Work Institute, and Sukuro Fellow. Currently, Ms. Breeze is designing PlaceCore, a new gap year launching in 2019 with founding partners Hawthorne Valley Association and the Good Work Institute. She steers the helm of Instar Lodge, the community arts project and space she founded in 2016. Dawn's public art, Wayfinding, Imaging History with Our Story, lives at the New York State Olana State Historic Site. And her writing has been published in the Huffington Post, Thrive Journal, Chronogram, and independently in the acclaimed anthology Girls and Trees, the chapbook Suicide Imprint, and in her new book of poetry, Breathe 40 Times. Ms. Breeze holds an MFA in Interdisciplinary Arts from Goddard College. Troubadours and Rock on Tours is happy to have on the program Dawn Breeze. Okay. Uh, you're in your dairy barn right now, right? <laughs> I was there yesterday morning, but now you're finding me um, in Germantown in my house here in a small hamlet a little further south than the Place Core Dairy Barn office. Yeah, yesterday I noticed a bit of an echo. I guess that was because of the big space. Yeah, it was. It is a very, very big space. Um, it's a barn that if I think about it, it's almost the size of a half a city block. It's so it's so big, and um, it's very vacuous downstairs right now, as there aren't cows in it anymore. Um, and it was just me and um, my colleague working in there yesterday. So you and, heard us echoing. <laughs> and that was that was um, is that the the home base, so to speak, of uh, Place Corps. Yeah, so Place Corps, um, the gap year that you you know you saw, um, is going to be located in Ghent, New York, on a 300-acre biodynamic farm, which is part of the Hawthorne Valley Farm Campus. Um, and it's nestled in um, this one area of that landscape where we have an early 1800s farmhouse where our participants will be living, and then the giant dairy barn, which will be still an active barn with animals, but also um, home to our office and um, our community space as well. Oh, we're going to get into that for sure, the, the place core. I want to first uh, start a little bit back for, you sure. know, where you, where you come from, you know, where you were born and how you got to where you are now in the Hudson Valley of New York State. Mm -hmm. Sure. Um, so I was born on Martha's Vineyard and I grew up there. I had my childhood there, um, but I did leave there early. I, um, as a teenager, I decided to leave the vineyard because I did feel that it was a really small place and an isolated place. Um, and I think in some ways those early geographies do shape who we are in, in many ways, but it certainly was a place that I wanted to leave. Um, 
And so I went from there and I rolled over to Boulder, Colorado. I graduated high school early and I went out there and then I rolled back to Boston and then down to New York City where I was going to Pratt. Um, and I was going to Pratt to study fashion and photography. And um, and right there in my first semester, I sort of recognized um, the conundrum of paying a tremendous amount of money to study what I wanted to be doing, which if I could just do it across the river, I could be paid to do it and learn to do it um, in action. And so I withdrew from Pratt and I, I went into Manhattan and quickly found a job working with Catherine Malandrino. Um, and I started working with her in the beginning of her career and was able to quickly um, move up and into fashion in many ways. And I, I went from being um, her general manager to working in design with her and producing the fashion shows to then moving into becoming a fashion editor at Trace Magazine. Um, and then pretty quickly in my mid-20s, I recognized that this um, community and um, uh, yeah, I, I recognized that wasn't where I was wanting to go if I could see further down the line that I, I didn't want to stay in fashion forever. And what I saw as the top wasn't the top that I wanted to be in or, or with. And um, so me and my husband were looking for places outside of the city and without really knowing much about it, um, I found Hudson, New York, um, through actually the New York Times, it was uh, the, the house we ended up having was listed for rent and it pretty much blew my mind in the description because it described, you know, this gorgeous property, a house that could offer me a studio and space and it was so cheap and I was, and so I immediately um, called and, and the woman was saying, yes, it's available for rent and I took the train up in the middle of the winter and I just knew then that Hudson, New York was the place where I wanted to be. I could feel um, essentially like energetic tremors kind of underground and knew it was about to explode in some ways. And it was amazing because I it was true and it was amazing. And so at um, age 25, we moved up there to Hudson and um, we got this house and uh, it was very, very affordable then. And uh, I was able to, at that point, sort of open up to what this place and this landscape um, had to offer. And I think what happened is, is being exposed to the sky and having um, in a relationship with the weather again um, and the beauty that just is all around us in the Hudson Valley here, it really opened me up again to um, being an artist and claiming that newfound identity um, up here. And, and you know, when I first moved up here, I started a shop and I also um, was also working at that time as a private chef and just doing lots of jobs to make it all work and come together. And, and then um, life continued and my art practice grew. And at that time, I was working mostly as a studio artist and it continued to grow. And then as life does, um, big things happen and change you. And I, um, I lost a sister. And at the same time that I lost a sister, I gave birth to my son. And my practice radically shifted in response to those um, life events. And my questions around life radically shifted. And, um, you know, in a few years, I started to teach a curriculum that I had developed in response to those events called Creativity and Courage. And I started teaching that at Adult Diagnosis Rehab Center 
um, as well as privately. And also it started to get picked up with um, corporations. And I started working with Etsy and doing these larger um, workshops for um, leadership and team building. And, and at a certain point in my 30s, like about five five years ago or four years ago, I, I paused again and I sort of had to question what is my practice and what is this um, – what, what am I doing? How can I, where does it live in the world and where do I want it to grow and who am I in conversation with? And um, so when those questions were there, it really, I decided to go back to school and um, I realized that I needed to go actually directly into an MFA program because at this point in my life, I was already working in an interdisciplinary way and I really wanted to investigate my own practice very pointedly. So I found, luckily, Goddard College, um, which is a very progressive college founded by John Dewey in Vermont, and they had an interdisciplinary program. And one of the things that really spoke to me was their mission, which, you know, and, and part of the program's degree criteria, which was asking me, how do I ethically engage my work in the world? And that that was something I didn't find in other art schools um, was a question they were asking around people's um, work. It was still, and it is still so oftentimes very formal, the questions around art. And um, this question resonated with me in my practice and teaching as well. So um, I started my education at Goddard, which was also a self-directed study plan. Um, and so I was able to focus my attentions towards um art education reform, social practice, um, and creative writing, and really kind of hybridized these things. And it was a really incredible experience, and it helped me to also recognize my practices teaching as part of my art practice and not separate. And I also found my relationship with the artist Joseph Boys as being um, – really helpful as well in sharing artic and articulating ideas. Um, because, you know, as I said, I was already identifying as an interdisciplinary artist, but I hadn't recognized, you know, um, where that may have lined up yet historically. Or I, and I also had, you know, I, my curriculum was called Creativity and Courage. And when I was reading boys and I saw him saying, you know, creativity equals art and um, artist is everyone. That is a hundred percent what I believe as well. And so it felt really validating to, um, you know, find a tribe, I suppose, and a lineage and, and no longer feel like I had all of these disjointed practices, but to actually see it as a unified um, way of being and, and doing. And, and that led me in my last semester at Goddard to initiate Instar Lodge and, and found it. And that was this project for me. I, and, you know, I, everything I do, I kind of frame, think, thankfully, um, through art. So I get to sort of say to myself, oh, I, I think I'll try this and I'll call it an art project. And I, you know, I set some parameters and I give myself permission to try it. So starting a nonprofit arts organization was like a project idea. And, um, and there was a lot of freedom in it and a lot of emergence. And so I started Instar Lodge, which is here in Germantown, um, which is an arts project space. Uh, and we have, you know, artists in residence. We have um, women who are working there in multiple artistic disciplines. We've done many performances and community collaborations and a lot of um, education. 
And then that leads me to where I am now, which last year um, I had the wonderful opportunity and invitation to design PlaceCore. And PlaceCore is where my heart is right now. Um, it's this incredible program that is in many ways um, an intervention into the way in which we are living right now and asking our participants to co-live with the big questions and um, learn through doing and radically experiment with um, ways to be different, you know, as we are transitioning out of the current system of capitalism and as we are facing climate catastrophes and as we are having like uh, social discord, like how, how are we going to move together into a, into this future that we have? You mentioned the big questions and, uh, you know, I, I think you alluded to them just now, but more specifically, what are the big questions as you see it? Um, well, maybe the big question is surviving the future. Um, I think that's one of the big questions. I think other questions are um, reimagining our economy and what we value. Uh, I think reimagining how we are together, maybe decentering the individual and um, recognizing interdependence. Interdependence for sure. And, uh, you know, surviving the future. I hear you and I'm with you on all of this. And what comes to mind, though, uh, for me often is it seems there are a lot of people, uh, many of our fellow citizens for sure in, in the United States, uh, who don't see it the way we do. You know, they don't see that, uh, you know, there are these big problems such as climate change or the social discord is not such an issue as maybe you and I would say it is. How do we connect with those folks that, you know, or how, how do we get them as in, into the, you know, conversation? Because then the reason I believe that that is a problem is, is look who, who our president is right now. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that speaks to me. That says to me that there are a lot of folks in, in our nation who don't see the future and the present as you and I might. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, well, I agree with that. I so that must be know, a challenge for you, I would think, because you're, yeah. try, you're trying to connect. You're trying to foster change. So that's mm -hmm. got to be a challenge that pops into your head is, you know, to 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 accomplish that end. Yeah, I think in many ways, I mean, I want to also um, really say that one of the um, tenets of PlaceCorps is that, you know, we don't have the answers to everything. And so it's really continuing to investigate these questions, right? So I, we don't have the answers to how to create the changes yet that we want. But one of the ways in which we are um, practicing or believing is in the local. So what in our own places can we do and with our own community and how do we get to know our community and how do we become local to place? So this was a thing, or how do we become native to place? How do we know something? So, you know, PlaceCorps, the mission of PlaceCorps is to know, love, and serve. And I don't know that we can really create change without first knowing and loving what it is that we want to change. And so I think one of the things is we need to know our place and um, we need to know our neighbors. And, you know, there are so many things that um, we share. So I, I think I 
yesterday, and again, I'm... Oh, something happened to your mic there. Oh, no. Can you hear me? I Now I can, yeah. You got oh. so excited about answering this question, you slapped your mic off the table. Oh, gosh. <laughs> um, well, I was going to say that there's this great quote from Martin Luther King that I mentioned yesterday, but that I also am probably going to misquote now where he talks about us all being woven into the shared tap, the tapestry of shared destiny. And I think that um, the more that we can connect over shared things, the more we can also love one another and create change. And so um, again, I think this happens in a local level. I think it happens outside of um, partisan politics. I think it happens over, things like our food and our values, our shared values around place. And I don't know, I think, you know, it's really about knowing our places that we can start to create the changes that we want to see. You are listening to Troubadours and Tours with E.W. Conundrum Demure on Radio Free Brooklyn. I agree. And that, that, I mean, that's, that's where I'm coming from. I I live and was raised in a very working class, blue collar area and a lot of good people for sure. I mean, everywhere there are good people, though I think too, the way their worldview is informed is a bit different than maybe mine has been given that I've had the privilege of roaming around the country, the world and, and you know, hanging out at some esteemed uh, places of higher uh, you know, education and knowledge. Uh, when you're back into the working class, blue collar, day to day drudgery, so to speak, um, or set of challenges, often the this the outlook that you and I are sort of um, entertaining or, or reflecting on isn't so prevalent. So you start talking about these these ideas of place and commonality and interdependence, uh, and people are like, what are you talking about? That just seems so. Uh, removed or idealistic from where I'm at, uh, you know, or even uncomfortable. It sounds too hippie. Uh, how would you react to that mentality? Or how do you? Do you think that exists? Maybe I'm totally off the mark. I don't know. Um, I think it does exist. I, you know, I think... Again, I'm going to go back to, you know, making those small co- those conversations in our places with the people that live here that have the different opinions, whether it's blue collar or not, that, you know, at the same time, like around our shared living. So it's like our shared resources, our shared water, our shared like resources of food that's close to us, our shared infrastructure. I think it's really here that we can make connections um, and it's less so when we are separate. Like, I don't think that I can speak to and connect to someone perhaps in Kansas right now because I don't necessarily share that culture with them that I have here in the Hudson Valley. I, am, I wouldn't want to go into that community and try to um, tell them what I think is right. I think it has to start in our own communities and at the same time, our own communities are where we've decided to be um, or where we are. And so, you know, I, I don't know if I'm answering your question exactly. I think that what you're saying is a challenge, but I think that it happens also on in smaller look like scales in our, in each of our places. No, I, I, I like the way you answered my question. I don't think you avoided it. I think you addressed it uh... Uh, pretty 
uh, in a pretty uh, wise, practical manner. So thank you. Um, Dawn Breeze on the program, and uh, she's an artist, a creativity advocate, change agent, among other things, and a very patient person, too. Patient with me, at least. Uh, we had some technical difficulties our first go-round, and uh, she was willing to spend more time with us here on the program. And again, thank you so much, Don. Uh, I truly appreciate it. Now, you talked about a transition uh, out of our present state, uh, in particular capitalism. Uh, what, what, what do you mean by that? Well, I think that you know, right now we're recognizing that we are still operating in a capitalist system and a patriarchy. And at the same time, we recognize that it's um, falling apart, I could say. Um, and so transitioning out of that while we're still in it is what I'm talking about. So it's how do we build new systems of living and being and working while we're still operating within one? Um, so that's what I was referencing with um, transitions. What makes you uh, believe that it's falling apart, our capitalistic society? What makes me believe that it's falling apart? Yeah. Yeah, you mentioned it's falling apart. What What are the well, indicators? I think that the indicators are, um, again, like the social uproar, the, um, you know, what we're seeing with immigration, I think what we are recognizing with um, the catastrophes that are happening more frequently with climate and the fact that we can't continue to just commoditize and keep constant growth, like I think we are seeing that doesn't work anymore. And so we can't keep growing, growing, growing. We have to actually recognize like um, what is enough and we also, I think, have to change our minds to around regeneration instead of exploitation. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Sustainability is mm -hmm. is a you know it, it doesn't seem the way we are right now is sustainable, uh, given as you mentioned things like climate change and and uh, come when you try to make everything a commodity, as is our tendency, it it. Uh, it takes the soul. You know, you keep going back to art in our conversation mm -hmm. and how you frame everything in, in art. That's the context from which you work. Uh, I, I think that's a healthier way. Uh, but, you know, economically speaking, sometimes art doesn't necessarily uh, inspire the entrepreneur because it, it, it's risky. It, it doesn't all, you know, often pay uh, dividends that you know other other realms of investment would mm -hmm. yeah well i I actually think though that we need to um, sort of explode the word um, economic you know I think we need to actually recognize the various forms of capital beyond just the monetary, and I think we need to prioritize other forms of capital so um, personally, for example. I work, I work even at Instar Lodge through a rubric system where I, I ask like myself about every decision, like what form of capital is going out and what's coming in? What is the energy exchange? What is being reciprocated? And for me, it's really important to count things like spiritual capital, learning capital, um, social capital. It, it's not only financial. 
And so I think that when we talk about entrepreneur, creative entrepreneur, artist, for me, there's no difference between being an artist or an entrepreneur because it's about creating something of purpose and of um, need out into the world. And what do you get back and what are you giving? And so it's never going to just be about, and it shouldn't just be about the money exchange. I, I agree. I agree, though that is the mindset that has taken hold of us for for the last, you know, in this country at least, 100 plus years uh, since the Industrial Revolution. And um, uh, it, 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 it is, uh, it is a, a big challenge. And I love the fact that you are, are uh, facing that challenge, so to speak, with the, the work you're doing, uh, especially now through the Place Corps. And I'm starting to understand more why you named it such, given your your uh, belief that you have to understand where you are at the moment and work from there locally um, to make change. And if everybody does that across the land, then we, in, in the aggregate, can actually uh, see substantial change in the way we live. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Am I kind of on it? Yeah, you're completely on it. And I think there's, um, you know, it's knowing where you are, right? But it's, it's, and, and it's in the local, it's in that place and space, but it's also bigger, right? Then we can go further out and look at where are we in larger systems socially? Like, where are we um, in positions of power? Where are we, you know, you ask these questions a lot to actually understand where you are in place so that you can make those changes and decisions like from a place of knowing um, as best you can, you know? Yeah. Don, why don't you give us a little information for, for those listening if they want to reach out and get some more information about some of the projects you're, you're involved in? Sure. Um, so Place Corps, which is the gap year program that's for 18 to 25-year-olds, and which is launching just coming month, actually, um, July, we begin. Our website is www.placecore.org, and it's spelled P-L-A-C-E-C-O-R-P-S.org. Um, and there you can find our program. You can look at our first cohort. Um, you can read our mission and values. And also, hopefully, some of the listeners might feel called to join us in some way. We have opportunities for visiting artists, um, professionals, anyone who is interested in what we're doing. We really welcome your voice in our program and your curiosities. Um, and then... Um, the other project that you can find me at is at InStar Lodge, which is www.instarlodge.com. And that's the arts project space here in Germantown, New York. And you can see our calendar of events and our previous um, exhibits and events and projects and everything about us. And then you can also find me personally on my website, which is dawnbreeze.com. And there you might find these projects, but also some of my writing and um, other and teaching. And Breeze is B-R-E-E-Z-E. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so, Don, we have just a few more moments, believe it or not. Um, I, part of um, what I like to do at the end of every conversation is, is you know, give the, the person that we're featuring an opportunity just to reflect as a, as a human, as a thinker, as a sentient being who's out there with the rest of us, 
on on life, on maybe sharing an insight, some some inspiration, or, or what have you. If, if you like, you know, you can go, you can go and and, and uh, ex- expow, expound, espouse. <laughs> sure. Um, well, I was thinking, and you know, this idea of creativity, um, which is really important to me. Um, what this word means and how we embody it as humans and how we use it in this world. And I guess one of the things that I want to share are my thoughts around it, which is that I really believe that um, creativity is humankind's most greatest natural resource. Um, and I believe that it's innate and inherent in every person. And I think that it's something that we have the opportunity to value and harness and to create change um, in our lives individually and collectively. And I think that, um, you know, I feel like our society has um, pushed this idea and this concept of being into a very narrow uh, place, which is oftentimes just sort of seen in the arts. But Creativity is in everything. And I think that when we've divorced ourselves from that identity, you know, so much of my work um, in teaching people will come in the room and the first thing they say is, oh, I'm not creative, um, as this disclaimer about perhaps they're afraid they're going to do a quote unquote bad painting. And the disclaimer is I'm not creative, but everyone is creative. And I um, and it's something that we have that can bring us joy. And it's something we have that can really make huge tidal waves of change. Um, And so, you know, I think that it's important for us to find ways to see it in each other and find ways to encourage its growth um, and to reclaim that identity because in that you also are reclaiming power and um, becoming empowered. So that's something I want to share. Wonderful. Dawn Breeze, a pleasure to talk with you yet again. Uh, in in a twenty four hour period of time, yeah. and I, <laughs> again, I appreciate you your willingness uh, to share your time and energy on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, and uh, hopefully we talk again. Maybe one day I'll come up and check out what you're doing in the Hudson Valley too. That's great. I would love to have you up here. That really would be great. And also, I hope to talk again about poetry because I saw on your website that you're also a poet, right? Oh well, geez, thanks so much for saying so. I I, I love to write. I hopefully. It's poetic on occasion, yeah. Yeah, well, anyone with the name E.W. Conundrum Demure, right? So. <laughs> uh, thanks, Don. You're, you're uh, f- as my wife says, you're, full, you're filling my bucket with all great praise. I appreciate it. Oh, well, thanks. Oh, it's a, it's a pleasure.
Underwear by Lawrence Ferlinghetti I didn't get much sleep last night thinking about underwear. Have you ever stopped to consider underwear in the abstract? When you really dig into it, some shocking problems are raised. Underwear is something we all have to deal with. Everyone wears some kind of underwear. Even Indians wear underwear. Even Cubans wear underwear. The Pope wears underwear, I hope. Underwear is worn by Negroes. The governor of Louisiana wears underwear. I saw him on TV. He must have had tight underwear. He squirmed a lot. Underwear can really get you in a bind. Negroes often wear white underwear, which may lead to trouble. You have seen the underwear ads for men and women, so alike but so different. Women's underwear holds things up. Men's underwear holds things down. Underwear is one thing men and women have in common. Underwear is all we have between us. You have seen the three-coloured pictures with crotches encircled to show the areas of extra strength and three-way stretch, promising full freedom of action. Don't be deceived. It's all based on the two-party system which doesn't allow much freedom of choice. The way things are set up, America, in its underwear, struggles through the night. Underwear controls everything in the end. Take foundation garments, for instance. They are really fascist forms of underground government, making people believe something but the truth, telling you what you can or can't do. Did you ever try to get around a girdle? Perhaps non-violent action is the only answer. Did Gandhi wear a girdle? Did Lady Macbeth wear a girdle? Was that why Macbeth murdered sleep? And that spot she was always rubbing, was it really in her underwear? Modern Anglo-Saxon ladies must have huge guilt complexes, always washing and washing and washing, out damned spot, rubbed on plot, underwear with spots, very suspicious, underwear with bulges, very shocking, underwear on clotheslines, a great flag of freedom, Someone has escaped his underwear, maybe naked somewhere. Help! But don't worry, everybody's still hung up in it. There won't be no real revolution, and poetry still the underwear of the soul, and underwear still covering a multitude of faults, in the geological sense. Strange, sedimentary stones, inscrutable cracks. And that only the beginning, but does not the body stay alive after death? and still need its underwear, or outgrow it, some organs said to reach full maturity, only after the head stops holding them back. If I were you, I'd keep aside an oversized pair of winter underwear. Do not go naked into that good night, and in the meantime, keep calm and warm and dry. No use stirring ourselves up prematurely over nothing. Move forward with dignity, Hand invest. Don't get emotional, and death shall have no dominion. There's plenty of time, my darling. Are we not still young and easy?
Just about ready to swear I will be better at living. Not so preoccupied about sinning. Allen Ginsberg-esque as I dance. His solemn promise to forever take a chance at living life good for eternity. They sat together in the park As the evening sky grew dark She looked at him and he felt a spark Tingle to his bones Twas then he felt alone And wished that he'd gone straight And watched out for a simple twist of fate They walked along by the old canal A little confused, I remember well And stopped into a strange hotel With a neon burning bright He felt the heat of the night Hit him like a freight train Moving with a simple twist of fate Saxophone someplace far off played As she was walking on by the arcade As the light bust through a beat up shade Where he was waking up She dropped a coin into the cup Above a blind man at the gate And forgot about a simple twist of fate was bare he didn't see her anywhere he told himself he didn't care pushed the window open wide felt that emptiness inside to which he just could not relate brought on by a simple twist of fate he hears the ticking of the clocks Walks along with a parrot that talks Hunts her down by the waterfront docks Where the sailors all come in Maybe she'll pick him out again How long must he wait One more time for his simple twist of fate 
People tell me it's a sin to know and feel too much within. I still believe she was my twin, but I lost the ring. She was born in spring, but I was born too late. Blame it on this simple twist of fate. And there you have it, episode 324 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Dawn Breeze. I would also like to thank Tom O'Bedlam and Lawrence Ferlinghetti as well as these musical artists. Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Andrew Bird's Bowl of Fire, The Nude Party, The Black Keys, Sharon Van Etten, Bob Dylan, Terrence Blanchard, and Branford Marsalis too. Thank you so much for spending some time with us. Until next week, Let's give it a go, why don't we? And try to enjoy this one. <laughs>